So last week we looked at Psalm uh, 20, 129, and let's go back to verse 8, and we'll give you the correct cross-reference for this morning. Psalm 129, verse 8. Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Go to Matthew chapter 21. And as always, once the service is over, and I've got a fresh pair of eyes, <laughs> I'll go back over the text, and of course the verse is right in front of me. Well, I thought it was verse 19, but of course it's verse 9. 21 verse 9. The multitudes that went before and that followed Christ uh, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And of course later on they are saying crucify him, crucify him. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's start today's service with a quick prayer. Father God bless the book of Psalms this morning. Uh, give us clarity of mind. We pray for our safety. Uh, it's been a pretty wild storm which uh, kicked up last night bit of local damage a tree was blown down overnight and uh, we give you thanks nobody was in, uh, injured when that tree went down and we pray for your blessing today this week we thank you for our salvation uh, we ask you to bless all of our electronic gadgets that we all use and uh, motor vehicles if we have any and our properties and uh, all of our needs we bring to you and any sin that we have committed against you we confess of course to ourselves or to you quite uh, privately of course to you not by a priest, uh, before we break with the bread, of course. And we ask you to bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, just for the record, if you care to know, this will be month 45, week 194, hour 137. And I'm going to revise what I said last week. I think it's quite possible this book could be finished by early next year before may of next year but it won't be presumptuous we'll just see how it runs Psalm 131 and it says a song of degree of david so once again david is the author verse one behold how good un, uh, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity that of course is the picture that of course would be the plan to have a level of unity uh, but what happens when you haven't got that We'll go to Acts chapter 15. Now, I've had a policy for a long time that uh, when I meet people in the streets, I'm always pretty cordial, respectful, and keep things you know, civilized. I don't want to get too bogged down in doctrine, if I can help it. I no longer debate theology with other believers on the streets, but I will take task uh, to those who are not saved and yet are attacking the gospel or seeking to undermine it. Behold, how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I like that. But this is what happens when you've got a problem. When that unity isn't so uh, visible. Acts 15. Pick it up in 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, who was a Levite, incidentally. Pre salvation. Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark, who of course wrote the Gospel of Mark, uh, Peter's uh, disciple. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, like cut in half. 
a real clean break. One from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. That's a picture of when you've got, uh, you got two people who are both saved, both love the Lord, both, both filled with the Spirit of God, and they can't agree. One goes one way, the other goes the other way. A split right down the middle. This is what happens in most churches. There's a split. It's normally down to a family or two joining the church and uh, trying to take over the church. And of course, you've got these families all fighting each other, which you don't find in the Catholic Church. There's no authority. There's no uh, in in the Catholic Church. There's no uh, transparency. The priest runs everything. You don't get a say in the Catholic Church. But in free churches, it's most of the families who run the churches, and that's where the split normally comes. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Go to John 17. This is one of the most misunderstood passages in the Word of God. And you'll find a lot of charismatics are now quoting John 17 to push for a level of unity, which is not scriptural at all. John 17, John 17, and uh, pick it up in uh, 20, Jesus speaking. Neither pray I for these alone, he's our high priest, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and I through the New Testament, of course that they all may be one that term the oneness is used by the catholics the uh, the anglicans the uh, charismatics the methodists the salvation army as thou father art in me in a unique way he's the son of the father of course and i in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me i have given them that they may be one even as we are one i in them and thou and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me back to psalm 133 verse 1 again behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity so keep things peaceful cordial like i say don't be too uh, quick to put the boot in don't be too dogmatic and those that attack the king james bible uh, think about this yourselves don't be so quick to put us down those of us which hold to the book sometimes we get made fun of uh, because we hold to the king james bible and the reasons what the reason why we get attacked so much is because these guys are taught this in seminary basically when i first got saved i went to a jacob prash meeting being saved less than a year didn't know much bible at all and i was shocked at the way he was attacking the king james bible just making fun of it and i got him in a corner not literally <laughs> but i said to me you know what uh, jacob i said uh, barry smith gave you the break he gave you the break back in the 1980s and he did he made you famous all over australasia and he was a king james man yeah. and you're kind of taken back by my approach and that was 20 years ago but john 17 is misquoted by the catholics the ecumenicalists the anglicans the charismatics you are one in christ through the resurrection there was a slight split around this time judas was about to set out the lord jesus christ the church was in a bad way at that point of time and of course once uh, judas had killed himself and matthias had replaced him later the apostle paul uh, there was a level of unity which was needed but you can't be one in christ by getting together linking arms and let's you know and singing let's save the world it doesn't work that way we are one in christ for the resurrection so don't bend over backwards to appease uh, charismatics or catholics or whoever just for the sake of unity it will not work there's no truth 
oh, yeah, there's no unity without truth. And unfortunately, the truth has been thrown out by those churches many years ago. Psalm 133, still look at verse uh, one, excuse me, verse two. It is like the precious ointments upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Go to First John chapter two. You'll find time after time in the Old Testament, the stories are repeated. So the Jews wouldn't forget who they were or where they'd come from. And that's the main reason why these stories are told time after time. And of course, the Bible is the greatest book in the world for real stories about real people. You won't find these stories in the Quran at all. First John chapter two. First John chapter two. And uh, look at verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not, and ye need, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. When you first got saved, you received the triune God first and foremost. Go back to Psalm 133. And you were baptized into the body of Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And on top of that, what you probably didn't realize until much later on, was that you were given a blessing which couldn't be reversed. That's a great thought, a blessing, an anointing, something special. The Old Testament high priest had a blessing. He wore special clothing. He went into a special place, the Holy of Holies. He went in once a year. That's a type of our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's many mysterious parts of the high priest's attire and his ministry and his office, which isn't very clear to those of us which are Gentiles. It's somewhat of a blur, it's like a mystery, and yet it's beautiful because it pictures the work that Christ did for us. It is like the precious ointment, anointing, anointment, you think like a cream, like a gel, anointment. Going back to you have a special anointing which abides in you, so on and so forth. Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. He's wearing holy clothing, he's on holy ground, he's doing holy work. For today, of course, we are, we are a spiritual priesthood. Don't get the two mixed up. As the Jew of Hermon, and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Deuteronomy chapter 4, please. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And uh, once you get the Old Testament down, and I wish I'd got it down, but I haven't got it down yet. I've been 20 years going through the book, and I'm still not really knowledgeable when it comes to the old testament so i must admit to my shame but once you get this book down you'll never uh you never struggle at all to explain it or harmonize it with the new testament uh deuteronomy chapter 4 and uh, pick it up in 47 and they possessed his land that really causes uh, problems today they say the jews stole the land of course they have no idea what they're talking about even the Quran affirms the biblical accounts of the Holy Land. And the land of our king of Bashan, two kings of the, uh, of the Amorites, which went on this side Jordan, toward the sun rising from Aror, which is by the bank of the river Arnon, even unto Mount Zion, which is Hermon, and all the plain of the sides, and all the plain on, these, on this side Jordan eastward, even unto the sea of the plain, under the springs of Pisgah, back to Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, absolutely. Don't cause divisions, keep the peace if you can. Always offer the hand of friendship to those which aren't on the same page as you are. 
But the problem is going to be when you get into fellowship with these people and you start coming together and you start working together as a unit yeah. and doctrine starts to come in because that's what the book was written for. For doctrine, first and foremost, that the man of God will be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's where, that's where the division comes. It's actually doctrine, although strictly speaking it's personalities, but it should be doctrine because, of course, with bad doctrine, you produce bad fruit. And, of course, bad fruits will cause you to have nothing but major problems. Psalm 134, verse 1. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Ezekiel 37, please. Ezekiel 30. Uh, see, I think it's 37. Yeah, 37. 37, uh, 28. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel. When my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Again, all these passages we looked at over the last three or four weeks all point to the premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ, a literal return of Christ to a literal part of the world, being Jerusalem, to sit on a literal throne, as would King David. Don't ever allow people to steal that from you. Most of these ecumenical churches are not premillennial, they're not pre tribulational. They don't hold to once saved, always saved. They don't believe in the King James Bible. In fact, they've got no perfect Bible. That's the problem, you see. When you get too ecumenical for the sake of unity, you throw out truth, you get no doctrine straight, and you can't breathe. You can't do anything. Because, of course, if you turn left or right, you're going to offend somebody. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord, around 3 p.m., uh, based on Jewish custom, Going back to Josephus' account, and he's probably right. They go from day to night, Genesis chapter 1. We go morning to day. Uh, they write from, they go right to left, we go left to right. And they count their day from uh, evening to morning, and around 3 p.m. onwards is evening time. At least that was the case up until the first century. Now, if you study Judaism, what you get is rabbinical Judaism, which is not Old Testament Judaism. There's a big difference. And most Jews that are religious today, Orthodox, Hasidic, even uh, conservative or liberal Jews, don't follow, don't really take the Old Testament literally or seriously. They all go to rabbinical sources, their tradition, to interpret the Old Testament, which is what the Catholic Church does. They go to their tradition to interpret the New Testament. Again, take my advice. Don't get into the ecumenical movement. If you're born again and you believe in the king james bible stick with it don't be tempted to jump ship and hold hands with those who don't believe in the book you'll get so confused it'll just turn you upside down 134 verse uh, 2 lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the lord that are first timothy chapter 2 first uh, timothy chapter Chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, holy hands, holy clothing, holy ground, holy hands without wrath and doubting. Don't get angry, you brothers. Stay calm. Don't blow your call, as they say. Elsewhere, Paul says, uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And uh, 
If you've got any anger, any bitterness, confess it up, forgive and forget and put it under the blood. Back to Psalm 132. Psalm 132, please. Uh, what am I saying? 134. Been up since 1.30 this morning. Excuse me. Lift up your hands. Excuse me. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I like that. Aimed at the priest, of course, doing literal priest work for the Old Testament. The, the Church of Rome also liked to go back and dig up the Old Testament priest system and offer it for today. Nothing sad. And when you see Catholics all over the world uh, going to midnight mass, not not long from now, or Easter Sunday, and you see people in South America whipping themselves, blood all over the streets, and uh, Catholic men nailed to a cross. It's really pitiful to see that. And you'll see people queuing up around the block to get to midnight mass to uh, celebrate mass, as it were, and get some kind of a blessing, as they would define it. And of course, the priest comes in, and if it's a high mass, he's waving the old incense, and they all think it's a big, uh, you know, song and dance. But of course, it's just it's just drama, mm -hmm. it's theatre. And if you get if, when you get that, it really does open your eyes. I know when Patrick first got saved, he was in touch with a couple of priests that are now dead. And they were quite distraught to hear his testimony and, you know, not chipping away, but trying to make it clear to these priests that you don't need it. Mm. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a rehash of the Old Testament. And it does grieve me because, of course, what they're doing is, is getting you to go back under the law. Can't you see it back under a faith and work system, which isn't even part of the Old Testament setup. But of course, for the Old Testament, their salvation was incomplete. Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur every year the high priest went into the holy of holies but of course for us it's perfect it is finished you know we've got a perfect blood atonement but for the catholic church they don't believe that in fact you don't ask if you don't believe me just ask your local catholic priest phone them up and say uh you know can i know i'm saved and they'll say no of course you can't know you're saved that's the sin of presumption so once again you have nothing in common with these people 134 verse 3 the lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of zion this is a millennial passage go to genesis chapter one very briefly it was said many years ago that the church of england didn't survive the onslaught of darwinism in the 19th century that's probably true another problem i got with the ecumenical, uh, the ecumenical movement is i don't believe in a literal six-day creation they make fun of it i got a quote from pius the 12th and he said this he said uh, it is primitive thinking to hold to a young earth primitive thinking He's mocking the creation account. They believe in what's called theistic evolution. Don't believe me? Check me out sometime. You contact any priest, any vicar, anywhere in the world, and ask them, do you believe in a literal six-day creation? They'll say, no, we do not believe that. They'll say, that's fairy tales. It's primitive thinking. That's Pius XII, 1958. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, they believe that, but they'll say he used evolution to do that. And I'll misquote the scripture. And here you got the first account of the creation of the creation account and of course it's god in the beginning when time came into being created the heaven and the earth and this book stands or falls in that one verse take that verse literally take the first 11 chapters literally uh, you'll be laughed at if you are a catholic an anglican most churches don't believe in a, in a in a young earth like i say they just will not accept it they'll mock it and if you don't believe me just try me out just <coughs> Hold up the book and say you hold to a young earth, six days, 24 hour day, they'll just laugh you, you know, out of the pulpit. So I'm not kidding you, they don't take this book seriously at all. Well, I get a lot of stick for saying this, but I don't care. You know, I came out of this system over 20 years ago. I know what I'm talking about, I don't just speak through my hat. The Lord that made heaven and earth, yes, Patrick too, bless the out of Zion 
Zionism, going back to the previous passages, 128, verse 5. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. If you're not premillennial, you are being dishonest with Scripture. This whole book is building up to the return of Christ, the second advent. You've got to get this down. A literal Jew on a literal throne in, in, a, in a literal part of the world, Jerusalem, for 1,000 years. And, of course, we go into the eternal state. And I'll keep preaching that until I'm no longer able to do so. 135 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Alleluia. That's what it means. Praise ye. Alleluia. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him. O ye servants of the Lord. Now again, this is what was sung. This is a prayer in and around the temple. The Levites would be leaving, uh, would, would be leading. And for today, it's like a modern day choir. You get a good choir. 200 strong, all singing in unison. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Praise ye the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Jehovah, uh, Elohim, Adonai, El Gabor, Jesus, uh, Christ, the Amen, Alpha and Omega, so many names he has, not just Jehovah of course. O ye servants of the Lord, don't get puffed up, it's always difficult the bigger you are to keep yourself calm and humble and that's why when you start to really get into the scriptures, you know, take it seriously and study the word of God and take these passages literally, you're fine, you stand alone because most people will spiritualize big parts of the Bible or they'll say, uh, but you understand he's incorrect. It shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be that. It should be what the church fathers defined it to be. No, that will not work. The book defines the church fathers, never the other way around. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Back to Ezekiel. House of the Lord. Judgment again to the house of the Lord. Of course, for today, we are the house of the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. But a future is coming, a day is coming, not far from now, mark my words, when the third temple will go up, and when that thing goes up, it will never come down. Ezekiel 46, uh, Ezekiel 46, and uh, pick it up in uh, 22, 46, 20, yeah, 46, 22. In the, four uh, in the four corners of the court, there were courts joined of 40 cubits long and 30 broad. These four corners were of one measure. That's 60 feet by 45. Now the measurements for the third temple don't match the second temple. Because it's not the same temple. And I say that because if you speak to certain groups, going back to my warning against the ecumenical movement, what they'll say is, is that these passages in Ezekiel point to the second temple. No, they do not. They point to the third temple. You find that in Revelation chapter 11. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord. In the courts of the house of our God. Very Jewish. Our God. Our Father which art in heaven. Not uh, my Father. Our Father. The Lord's Prayer is a Jewish prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. That's the disciples prayer of course. Verse 3. Praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name. For it is pleasant, that word pleasant again, 133 verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good, only God is good. Sing praises unto his name, that's the whole purpose of the Psalms. 
For it is pleasant. Proverbs chapter 16, please. Proverbs chapter 16. And uh, look at verse 20. 24. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. That is so true. You listen to a good, uh, a good psalm, a good hymn. A good carol around this time of the year lift your spirits some of the greatest uh songs penned over the last couple hundred years have really lasted the have lasted the uh have lasted the period have lasted the course oh holy night beautiful even silent night is a beautiful carol written by a catholic priest i must admit but the lyric is very good and it's pretty uh on the money as they say 135 verse uh four for the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself. That of course is attacked by the Catholic Church. They say that Israel should be a split city. They say it should be shared with the Palestinians. They've been saying that since the turn of the last century. And Israel for his peculiar treasure. Of course the term peculiar means special. Go to Exodus 19. But today they say he's a peculiar person. Like he's a bit of a fruitcake. A nutcase. But the Bible term for... Uh, peculiar means special it means uh, something which is to be cherished exodus 19 exodus 19 and uh, pick it up in uh, let's see now pick it up in verse uh, verse uh, 4 you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. Absolute just destroyed them. And how I bear you on eagle's wings. That of course is metaphorical language. Uh, but it has a application for the tribulation of course. And brought you unto myself. Intimacy. That ye may be one in us. As I am in the Father. You see, that, you see the imagery don't you. Now therefore. If you will obey my voice indeed. And of course what is obedience? It is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ Romans chapter 1 and keep my covenants Old Testament covenant like a contract then you should be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people like Gentiles for all the earth is mine absolutely and one day he will claim it and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests you find that in the book of uh, Revelation and also Peter's epistle and a holy nation so we replace unbelieving Israel for the church age, not permanently. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Hidden treasure. Uh, was it Captain Cook? Did that? Was it Captain Cook? Treasure Island? Probably Treasure Island, wasn't it? Treasure, yeah. yeah. Treasure Island. Captain Cook? No, 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 no. No? It's Captain Cook. <laughs> okay. I thought it was Captain Cook. I think that's something else. Yeah, Captain Cook. Yeah. But anyway, uh, all the kids' programs have the hidden treasure, of course. Uh, you think about the Pirates of the Caribbean, that sort of a thing. And uh, you've got the bad guy, the good guy, and of course Johnny Depp. Is it Captain Sparrow? Yeah. And they go looking for the treasure. Again, they all copy the Bible, these people. There's nothing original under the sun, as you were told by Solomon. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 Matthew chapter 13 and uh, let's see now I want 13 40 
1344. And again, again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field, which turns out to be the world. And Christ didn't just die for the elect, he died for the entire world. Going back to my criticism of the ecumenical movement, that uh, if, you link, if you link hands with certain groups of people, you'll just get a real headache. Back to Psalm 135, verse 4 again. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself. They say, mine or mine. You know, it's personal. Going back to adoption. Beautiful picture of the church being grafted into Israel. The root, of course, is uh, Jewish. We are the branches. A beautiful picture of adoption, like I said, over the last little while. And Israel, for his peculiar treasure. And he would destroy nation after nation that messed with Israel. And even to this day, watch out if, you, uh, if you've ever followed history, especially over the last uh, 100 years, uh, in a World War II, you look at uh, Nazi Germany just destroyed. You thought World War I was bad. World War II was just a catastrophe. And uh, you watch what happened to Hamas and Hezbollah in the coming weeks and months, even though Israel is back in the land in unbelief. Still a, they are still a peculiar people in a good sense a special people and you're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem uh, and hopefully one day uh, Jews that you witness to will get saved of course one day all that do believe will be saved Paul tells you that in the book of uh, Romans but uh, Israel is like no other nation on the face of the earth very special people of course they'll pay a high price for rejecting Christ you understand from uh, Calvary up into the rapture verse 5 for i know that the lord is great they say allah akbar of course allah means the god but our god is great amen and that our lord is above all gods they don't like that either in the ecumenical movement go to first corinthians chapter 8 they say that jehovah and allah are the same and you don't believe me get your catechism check it out i'm not lying to you and they say that all religions are the same and they say that we the righteous people need to work together to make a better world but you were told to come out of the world system. You were told to come out of it in Revelation chapter 18. You see, you take this book seriously, you start to lose friends. You start to upset people because, of course, it's negative thinking. But it's good because it's coming from God. But it's also negative because it's upsetting the apple cart. First um, Corinthians 8. And uh, let's see now. Pick it up in verse... Uh, pick it up in verse... Uh, pick it up in verse 3. It's all good. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. You can't know Allah, incidentally. It says that in the Quran. He can't be known. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, look out. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. Nothing insignificant. It's vain. It's completely inconsequential. The imagination of corrupt, of corrupt minds. And that there is none other God but one. There's our word, one one god one mediator one mediator between man and god the man christ jesus for though there be that are called gods allah being one example yabulon being another example uh, the queen of heaven whether in heaven or on earth as there be gods many and lords many of course satan is the god of this world second corinthians chapter four but of course that's through designation uh, he was given that through the lord's permissive and also directive will as judgments over the nations but to us body of christ there is but one god the father of whom are all things 
and we in him intimacy going back to John 17 we're in him and he is in us and that will never change and one Lord Jesus Christ the one and only amen by whom are all things and we by him but what's the problem seven Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge that's the problem you see they don't know this they've got no idea generation x i think it's, it's x or z they call that term generation is it generation z z i think, I think yeah. it's z actually yeah, z. uh z near the coffee <laughs> generation z got no idea about these things it is clueless it's really quite sad when you speak to young people under the age of 21 they've got no idea about these things for some with conscience of the uh, for some with conscience of the idol under this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol they know they've got no idea what they're doing basically and their conscience being weak is defiled but meat commanded us uh, commanded us not to god ah oh, look out catholics for neither if we eat that knocks out your bread are we the better neither if we not so we the worse so that knocks out the mess because of course when you take the bread and the wine go back to psalm 134 you think you are growing in grace you think it's part of your salvation it's not bread does not commend you to god that means your wafer which to be really pernickety uh in the times of the scripture it was it was unleavened bread it wasn't a wafer and it wasn't red wine or white wine it was the fruit of the vine even that they get completely wrong 135 uh five again uh, 135 verse uh, 5 for i know that the lord is great there's no doubt in his mind there's no ambiguity and that our lord is above all gods absolutely but that's not going to be accepted in the ecumenical movement and if you don't believe me just check me out six whatsoever the lord please that did he in heaven and on earth in the seas and all deep places revelation chapter 4 please deep places the deeps what's in the sea what do they say there's something in the water uh revelation 4 and uh pick it up in uh, pick it up in verse uh, 8 and the four beasts had uh, each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 lord god almighty which was and is and is to come you've got three tenses there you've got christ before the incarnation during the incarnation and post the incarnation and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on a throne literal throne this is the heavenly throne but it'll come to the earth one day who liveth forever and ever this is deity the four and twenty elders probably the twelve tribes of israel and the twelve apostles uh, fall down before him that sat on a throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever that's that's denied by islam and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy o lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things going back to creation not theistic evolution and for thy pleasure they are and were created that's why we are here in a nutshell and that's a truth that needs to be reaffirmed whatsoever the lord pleased that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all deep places you've got four locations that one day will all come into unison you find that in revelation chapter 20 and of course those that die in the sea will be raised from the sea 135 verse uh, 7 he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth 
He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Again, God is on the throne. You can't, we can't really fathom this. And yet, what else would make any sense? If you're going on the evolution route, you have to explain why we are here, the purpose of life. You get into philosophy because, of course, it's subjective. If you don't hold to a theistic, uh, a theistic world, a uh, theistic mindset, you've got to explain how we are here, what this is all about, what came first, the immune system or the digestive system. If we were, you know, if 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 if, 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 if evolution went the other way, every time we uh, would uh, blow our nose, uh, our hats would just be blown off our heads. And every time we sneezed, or yeah, every time we sneeze, uh, our hats would be blown off. And every time it rained, we would drown. Bit of a joke, of course, but it's true. That's the the lunacy of evolution. But of course, with creation, it's just perfect. No two people are the same. Different eyes, different fingerprints. Uh, even even identical twins are not exactly the same. They're pretty. They're pretty, you know, near on the eye, but uh, they can be. T they can be. Uh, they can be uh, torn apart, or they can be. Uh, what's the term they can be uh, uh, delineated by their parents of course because of course they're not exactly the same there's a difference but with evolution life is just you know subjective like I say uh, and it's pretty pretty sad actually when you break it all down uh, verse 10 who smote the firstborn of Egypt and he certainly did both of man and beast go to Exodus chapter 29 excuse me what am I saying make it uh chapter 12 uh exodus chapter 12 been up since 1 30 this morning so please forgive me i'm slightly running on uh half a cylinder this morning exodus chapter 12 uh 12 12 20 12 29 and it came to pass that at midnight the lord smote all the firstborn in the land of egypt from the firstborn of pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle and pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the egyptians and there was a great cry in egypt for there was not an house where there was not one dead an absolute wipeout going back to god being angry with the nations and uh, when he gets angry you better watch out by his good will his good mercy he hasn't uh, destroyed us the church he should do but he hasn't and of course that's why we hold also the once saved always saved because if he was to be consistent he'd wipe us all out because of course the sins of omission sins of commission are many a time uh, not there's not much difference really when you break them both down 135 verse uh, 9 who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of the o egypt upon pharaoh and upon all his servants we say this is a token of my love Think back to the Garden of Gethsemane. I think it's John's Gospel. It says, uh, Judas said to the, uh, the priests, I'll give you a token or token of this or token of that. So when I kiss him and grab him, that'll be the token. Uh, it's a sign, basically, for today's, uh, for today's uh, definition. But the, the term token means a sign. Who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of the O Egypt upon Pharaoh? And upon all his servants and that's the truth of the matter they were destroyed and yet you were told in the book of hebrews i think it's chapter three or four that not all came out of egypt some uh, stayed back in egypt which is a cross reference to i think it's first john uh, chapter two and john six 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 count the sixes it says how many of his disciples 
uh, departed from him, walked no more with him. It's a strange thing, salvation. It's strange that I got saved and Patrick got saved and it's strange any of us really got saved and are still serving God Almighty yeah. because the pull from the world is so strong. I mean, the pull to stay in the world is just incredible. I watched a debate last night, two Jews debating uh, the scripture. One is an Orthodox Jew, the other is a Messianic Jew. And uh, I thought it's very interesting to listen to the religious Jew, the Orthodox Jew. He's very famous in America, apparently. I never heard of the guy until last night, but he's written many books. And he was saying that we, the Jews, believe that the Gentiles will make it to glory. And we, the Jews, believe in Gehenna, which is a place of purgatory. That's where the church Rome got it from. Where the not so righteous people are purged for one for one year, and after twelve months of being purged, like purgatory, uh, the righteous or the not so righteous people get out and go into glory forever. Which of course is not true, but they believe that because they are also ecumenical without realizing it. But you were told in the book of Daniel that some will be ever, some will be raised up to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt, and others will be raised up into glory, so on and so forth. So. Again, this is the problem with uh, modern Judaism, rabbinical Judaism. They don't follow the scripture and they play games. Not just the Jews, the Catholics do it as well. In fact, most churches do it. And uh, when you realize when you're being deceived, you get quite annoyed because the book's very clear. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. And I don't care if you're Jew or Gentile, without Christ you are dead and buried. And I'll keep speaking that because it needs to be said. 134 verse 10. Who smote great nations and slew mighty kings. Sion king of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan. And all the kingdoms kingdoms of Cain. And you've got three groups just forever gone. Just wiped out. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And... Uh, Let's pick it up in verse, let's see now. 7 verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, now count them, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than now, just forever gone, just destroyed, obliterated. That's the Lord's good pleasure. And you think you're a good person, do you? You've got no idea who you're dealing with if you're not born again. When the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Again, very anti-ecumenical. Very uh, negative for today's world. And that's why the, 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 the uh, ecumenical movement have real problem with much of the Old Testament. They say it's too negative. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Look out, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. It's found time after time in the Old Testament. Go back to Psalm 135. And you get to the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's a it's a crazy account. Right at the end of that of that era, divorces are being issued left, right, and centre. You know, marriages are being dissolved. You've got Jews that are married Gentiles. They've got children by them. Just mass divorce. But for the New Testament, you're told to stay put. Paul says if you marry an unbeliever who doesn't want to get saved, you stay put with them. You don't break the family unit up. But for the Old Testament, you had to break the family unit up. Again, two very different parts of the Bible, which you've got to 
divide very carefully. 134, verse 1 again. Sion, king of the Amorites, gone. Og, king of Bashan, gone. And all the kingdoms of Canaan, just gone. And gave their land for an heritage, inheritance. An heritage, and inheritance, and heritage unto Israel, his people. He kicks them out. And he says, that their land is now your land, but you've got to go and fight for it. That's Joshua, uh, that's Joshua of course. And Judges picks up on that. And of course, Judah, she was so worn down with sin, she couldn't clear out most of her territory. And therefore, she was surrounded by Gentiles, which uh, were a real thorn in her side. A lot of imagery in that for the church today. Unable to uh, free themselves from uh, une unequally yoking. 134 verse 13 thy name o lord endureth forever and thy memorial o lord throughout all generations memorial break the bread do this in memory of me memorial thy memorial o lord throughout all generations had the jew walked with jehovah it would have been beautiful christ would have come still because of course he has to die for the sins of the world they would have received him around the early part of the book of acts and when he stands up to greet uh, stephen that would have been the time for him to come back and rule and reign on the earth and of course uh, who was reigning uh, probably Nero at that time no it wasn't Nero whoever the king was at the time uh, he would have been the Antichrist quite likely and it would have gone from probably let's see now around early 30s so by probably 40 AD that would be the missing week from Daniel's uh, 70th week and that would have finished the missing week that's a seven year period which would have been put into that time frame and of course Christ would have come back at the end of that period uh, to order reign for 1000 years because the Jews turned him down again and uh, it starts with the father being turned down in 1st Samuel 8 the son being turned down in Matthew 27 and the Holy Ghost being turned down in Acts chapter 7 and the Lord said that's it they're out for now and Paul says the judgment of God has come upon this generation to the uttermost 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 I think it is and of course now the Jews are there in existence but they're not really part of God's plan as far as their salvation is concerned and that's where the church age comes in which you find in mystery form in the gospel of matthew uh, 134 14 for the lord will judge his people not the church israel and he will repent himself concerning his servants repent change your mind go to hebrews chapter 10 please hebrews chapter 10 that term repent gets misused all the time they say, have you, repented all, have you repented of all of your sins? When you first got saved, did you repent of all your sins? How do you know you're saved, they say? You know, or why did you get saved? That's the question I like to ask people. Why did you get saved? But I don't want to trip people up. That's not my purpose at all. If you say to me, on the, if you say to me that you're saved, I'll accept it. I won't mess around with you. I don't play games with people. Uh, you know, I say, praise God. Going back to 133 verse 1. But sometimes you meet people on the streets that you think not quite right and you have to sort of probe but do it gently of course they may have a weak conscience going back to first corinthians 8 for the lord will judge his people he certainly will and he will repent himself concerning his servants uh, hebrews chapter 10 this is a dangerous book the book of hebrews uh it's a tough book to crack the book of hebrews 10 30 for we who's that the hebrews know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me i will recompense i will pay back saith the lord and again the lord shall judge his people 
not the church. Now we get judged in a, certain, in a, in a slightly different way at the judgment seat of Christ, but of course here God is dealing with the children of Israel concerning a future dispensation. In fact, while we're in the book of Hebrews, go to chapter 8 very briefly. I read about this for this month's newsletter. In chapter 8, got the two covenants that line up nicely side by side. Uh, Gen uh, what am I saying? Uh, uh, Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8. And this all points to the future thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what we are talking about this morning. So it's all, you know, it's all uh, going to line up nicely. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, you've got the new covenant being promised to the future generation being the children of Israel. And in 8 verse 11, uh, read along with me. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord all shall know me from the least to the greatest that hasn't happened yet we still go into the streets we still witness to people most people got no idea in this country who jesus christ really is going back to generation x or z whatever it's called the millennial uh, generation who've got no idea who jesus christ actually is and even unbelieving jews are still trying to get proselytes so this part of hebrews 8 and jeremiah 31 is still future and they shall not teach every man his neighbor love your neighbors yourself and every man his brother saying know the lord you say you know the lord jesus christ you know the lord for all shall know me without exception from the least to the greatest that will happen during the thousand year reign hasn't happened yet again these are all future passages going back to the last probably 10 psalms looking to a future dispensation 135 verse uh, 15 the idols of the heathen are silver and gold the work of men's hands that's men's hands that's what ruined solomon go to leviticus chapter 20 26 and of course psalm 115 is just devastating when the lord condemns idols going back to the, the ecumenical movement statues and idols of mary joseph jesus all that stuff has to go if you get born again just get rid of those idols don't mess around it's not worth it uh, Leviticus 26 verse 1 you shall make you no idols nor graven image neither rear you up a standing image wow that really does uh, cause a problem for the Catholics and the uh, Greek, uh, Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox as well neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it for I am the Lord your God again don't try and pitch him or paint him back to psalm 135 let's try and finish the psalm and we'll close for this morning 16 they have mouths but they speak not eyes have they but they see not now of course what you've seen over in recent years is you've seen a manipulation of these idols these images there was a video which went viral on youtube about a year or two ago it was a church a catholic church somewhere in south america and this statue of mary started to i think it was weep was it weeping or bleeding yeah. weeping and they went crazy in the church just hysterical and uh, it was picked up all over the world and i thought if that sort of thing that makes you get excited you know your your religion is very shallow i mean a bit of trickery can easily be that can easily be done a bit of trickery a bit of water can come from the ceiling behind the uh, the statues hollywood can do that special effects rust can do it i mean special effects it's not difficult to you know do that if you want to cause a you know a bit of a, a bit of a commotion and that's what they did of course it went viral the video 
but of course you got these statues these, these idols they have mouths but they speak not uh, eyes have they but they see not they have ears but they hear not this is again this from Psalm 115 being repeated neither is there any breath in their mouths they're just deaf blind and dumb basically they that make them are like unto them that's pretty negative isn't it if you're not if you're you know if you're in the ecumenical movement so is everyone that trusteth in them that knocks out a huge part of christendom bless the lord o house of israel bless the lord o house of aaron bless the lord o house of levi or levi ye that fear the lord bless the lord do you fear him you should do blessed be the lord out of zion there again which dwelleth at jerusalem praise ye the lord so once again it's zion it's jerusalem used interchangeably and the idols are being warned against unity was spoken about in 133 verse 1 the third temple was mentioned in 134-135 gentile nations being wiped out which will happen again during the great tribulation by the time the lord returns at the end of the book of revelation i think three billion people have just been wiped out three billion people that'll put world war one world war two in the shade and uh idols 15 are warned against because of course today idols are everywhere also in protestant churches you find that in lutheran churches they kept statues and uh, high, Ang high anglicans also have statues which are really problematic and the lord is see, god is a jealous god that's also lost in many churches today he's jealous and he hates idolatry i've, I've said this many times over the years the greatest sin in scripture is actually idolatry that's why Solomon went to his, his grave about 59, 60. I mean, David was a pretty, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, you know, he played it pretty, pretty, you know, he was quite, uh, what's the word? He, you know, he was quite uh, charming at times and he was a bit of a ladies' man and that got him in trouble, of course, with Uriah. But what put Solomon in his tomb early was the sin of idolatry. I mean, he wouldn't just marry unbelieving wives going back to what i said a few minutes ago which was condemned in ezra and nehemiah but he worshiped their gods i mean a grown man of alpha male worshiping false deities causing the children of israel to sin on a mass scale and god won't, you know, he won't put up with that the lord he will not put up with that and you've got all these statues and idols condemned in leviticus 26 psalm 134 psalm 115 but i'll give you one from the new testament and we'll close go to first john chapter 5 and uh, if you're not careful and you get into this sin of idolatry uh, you will lose your millennial inheritance unless you repent and get out of it thankfully your salvation can't be touched but first uh, john 5 look how john ends this tiny epistle pick it up in 20 pick it up in 20 yeah pick it up in 19 make, make, it, uh, make it 19 and we know that we are of god and the whole world lieth in wickedness that's also condemned in the ecumenical movement they say that we are the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of god and we know that the son of god is come the muslims reject that and so do the jews and has given us an understanding going back to anointing that we may know him that is true there's no agnosticism here and we are in him that is true that's your standing and also your state even in his son jesus christ his only begotten son this is the true god this is deity 
and eternal life. So eternal life is a person and also a possession, but 21 is a real kicker. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So both testaments warn against idolatry. They don't mince their words. It's a serious subject. And some Christians, uh, I'm sure, are probably guilty of this. I need to get out of it now. And don't wait until, it, uh, until the, uh, the judgment of the Christ comes along. I'm going to close it there.